Welcome to On Balance. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. I'll be your guide as we explore the stories of today with the personalities impacting tomorrow. Welcome to On Balance. You know, I don't know if this is going to be a trend for me, but I will tell you selfishly, I really enjoy this. This is going to be, I think, my third conversation um, with the founder of Power School, the CEO of Power School, Hardeep Gulati. And Hardeep, you and I now, this is our, I think, third, I said, conversation. And what I enjoy about that is I get a sense, I get an opportunity self, selfishly to get to know people at a different level and dive a little bit deeper than what we might see in a press release in that regard. And look, you know, you are heading up a very, very big and influential uh, and purposeful company in power school. And so sure, we can talk about the things that we might see in, in the regular or popular press or the trades, but I'm so interested in the people that are running the companies that are impacting kids across the world. And so thank you for being gracious enough with your time once again to dive into some of these topics um, and, and learn a little bit more about you for the audience. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Rod. Always a pleasure to talk to you. So, Well, thank you. So you didn't get your start as an educator, uh, but you've been in education space for like 12 to 15 years. How did you get into the space? Like, what was it that... I don't know, was that that itch for you that said, I've got to be in this space because you're a smart guy, right? You wouldn't be running power school if you weren't. So you probably had opportunities in different sectors, but what was it about education that pulled you in? Uh, you, you're absolutely right. I actually started as a technologist, right? And um, I got a chance to work in a lot of different industries, uh, starting my career more in the high tech, high, you know, uh, how to address some of the supply chain and value chain issues in high tech. Um, had a focus in retail on providing insights on, on uh, driving that, and even a caught exposure to life sciences and telco and other verticals. But what got me really interested in education over the last uh, 12 plus years has been really the opportunity to personalize education is something which is very exciting. And if you think about all the stuff you're seeing on retail or financial sector, where personalization has completely changed how we interact, how we consume, how we interact with the, our banks, how we interact with our uh, retail, there's a similar level of opportunity of really personalization in education, which can actually have a really strong ripple impact across the board of the impact we could make with education. So that's what kept me excited. And that's why I've been very, uh, you know, uh, really keen on not just working in initially through corporate education and higher education, but last seven plus year in K-12, where we can really make a big impact. So, Hardeep, I think what's interesting about education is it's one sector amongst many um, that it can be sometimes hard to split the atom and separate our, our personal lives from our professional lives. And being in education, and I know you're a parent, we've talked offline about our kids. Tell me about sort of the sense of responsibility or the connection that you have in those moments when, yeah, you might be in a board meeting or you might be presenting or pitching or all of the things that you have as a responsibility being a CEO, where you actually think more like a dad than maybe you do a CEO. <laughs> that's that's a good point. I, I think, Rod, I shared with you, I actually have a whole test bed of uh, K-12 in my home. I have all I have kids from <laughs> high school to middle school to elementary school. So I really have an opportunity to uh, see the, the learning experiences and the challenges, especially over the last two or three years with the COVID, how they were dealing with that. And also relate that to our uh, customer base and how the families we serve or the teachers we we serve, how they might be dealing with those challenges, because I saw that from a parent perspective from uh, as well. So it was very important to kind of, to your point, bridge that gap. We have to bring 
uh, especially in education, where we touch millions and millions of families. And we have to go uh, away from thinking about this purely from a technology to the interaction, to the engagement, because that's what drives better learning. And it's engagement for every student, the parent and teacher, which ultimately drives better outcomes. So our focus has been a lot more on experiencing aspects as we bring powerful solutions as we address, as well as uh, you know what that means to the rest of the life and how they're really applying that. So it's definitely to your point, uh, you know, uh, you have to kind of uh, make this personal. And that's why we are, we, are, uh, we are in this business. All right. So take me to the Galati dinner table. How, how many times or how often are you sort of rambling on? Maybe that's what they would say about something in education. And it's like, dad, enough. Like we just were in school all day. We don't want to talk about this at the dinner table. Oh, you, you, you bet. So, you know, <laughs> as you can imagine, uh, my, my kids are definitely, uh, you know, uh, hear a lot about this, but it, it's been fun to kind of have them understand, you know, of course, we are seeing this, one of the top dinner conversation tip uh, has been the last few weeks have been uh, teacher shortage and how they are losing teacher in the school and how uh, onboarding of new teachers and the gap that creates in learning uh, for them. And, uh, you know, I, I was kind of sharing with them that that's not just for related to their school. When you look at the macro level and how that's impacting the entire nation, it's a really uh, challenging problem. I saw the Wall Street article uh, just came out last week where 3% teachers have left the profession just in the last four months between February and May. And still the data was staggering. 57% of the teachers are talking about leaving the profession early. Uh, that's up from 37% before, you know, before pandemic. So these numbers are really scary. I also happen to be on a board of School of Education at UC Davis. And I see this from the how the School of Education across the country are trying to address that problem. And we just don't have the right solutions because there is uh, that gap is almost 300,000 teacher gap each year. That has a direct implication to these kids. And uh, it's important, you know, what we, we all need to come together to really solve this problem. It's a fantastic point about the conversation and education that does come to the dinner table. And more and more young people are learning about the, the mechanisms that really keep the machine going in that regard. Uh, so to that point about teachers leaving and, and all the different people that are trying to support um, and stave off, um, you know, the big quit or the great resignation in that, in that manner, what keeps you here in this space? Um, and I mean that, I, I mean that in really the sincerest way in that I think sometimes people get so invested in what they're doing that over time they get hardened, right? They get sort of disenfranchised because they see challenges that they didn't maybe perceive in the beginning. And it was more romanticized at the impact that they could have. But my experience of you is that, and we've spent time together in, in person, is that you still wake up excited about what you're doing, that there is not this um, hardened sort of sense of you at all. So is am I correct? One and two. What keeps you getting up in the morning, feeling energized? If I am correct, in an industry that does have its challenges, uh, Ron, I'll, I'll share a little bit of a funny tidbit. Um, over this weekend, I took my uh, six-year-old to see the Minions: The Rise of the Gru. I don't know. If <laughs> I, no, that's on the docket, though. Dad has been. Uh, my kids have said, "Dad, you're going." <laughs> I might be doing a spoiler, but one of the first scenes actually is uh, a teacher asking the kids, "What do they want to be?" And uh, the kids were like, you know, I want to be a scientist. And one kid who says, I want to be a teacher. And you suddenly see the teacher kind of almost do a sigh, like, ah, oh, like, you know, you want, you know. So 
my you would be surprised after the movie, the entire movie, my little six-year-old picked that up. And next to really? me, the cushion is like, why did the teachers did a sigh when the test, you know, the kid said that uh, you want to be a teacher? So I was really surprised that in the entire movie, she picked up on that uh, thing. And what it just uh, tells you is that how much kids really, you know, and she was saying that my teacher is actually very excited. She doesn't believe that, you know, uh, so it was interesting to, you know, see that from a perspective of how much kids really look up to the teachers and how much teachers has an influence on a child in terms of what career paths is, uh, and different aspects of what they want to do. And we got to, what gets me personally excited about is that exact opportunity where we do know that our next generation, our younger kids are like sponges and they can really grasp so much and they really want to do, so they're so motivated. But sometimes we're not bringing in the right quality education, the right quality experiences and engagement to them. And that is a big missed opportunity. And just imagine that, you know, how much, if we are able to really provide that to every child, how much impact we can have on every other problem what you're trying to solve in the world. So that's what gets me up in the every day. And I see that we are in a unique position to really partner with these school districts and not just enabling a better systems and technology and automating their processes, but really creating a personalization, which actually allows these kids to follow their dreams. And whether that kid wants to be a teacher, a scientist, or, you know, uh, you know, a sports, we want to be able to create that environment in the school as well as the family to kind of help them get there. And that's what uh, is an exciting opportunity, which today we are not fulfilling in the right way. So I'm going to have you put your hat dad sort of down and pick up the analyst hat, because I think, look, a lot of people will talk about, you know, education will change post pandemic. So if we use that as sort of a marker there, that it, we're going to just say that that is the case, it's going to change. I actually want to ask you with the analyst hat on, what are the areas that we need to sort of bone up on and we need to get stronger in as an industry to be able to support the changes that we're all saying at cocktail parties and conferences now that are going to happen? Because I think that we are in for a big surprise if we just assume we can take the same approach as we had pre-pandemic and apply them to a post-pandemic world. You sitting on boards and knowing where you are in education, in, in the sphere of education, I'd be very curious as to what are those areas that you think maybe we should take a second look at and say, look, yes, maybe they worked, you know, in 2019 and prior, but we've got to get better because those are blind spots if we're going to do better going forward. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think there's a lot of talk about over the last couple of years of how much our education needs an uplift. And I think uh, the silver lining in this crisis has been is that the education uh, issues, especially around technology and, and engagement, has now been exposed pretty much to everybody, right? Um, and we're seeing the what we're putting teachers through and how much they're really challenged. That has also now become a common known fact. But to your point, we can't just continue to operate the way we were operating pre-pandemic, that let's go put one more system here, let's buy more technology here, and that should solve the problem. The reality is that we need to look at this more holistically and look at a full digital transformation, which is what other industries and business have been doing in the last two decades. And we got to take that same holistic approach in education. Even today, what we are seeing is that a lot of districts are 
getting overwhelmed with the fact that whether it's a teacher shortage or whether that's uh, data security or whether that's in, in uh, being able to deal with, be able to pro, you know provide equitable education or having to be able to deal with the inclusion of special needs kids, they are still trying to tackle these problems individually. And what's struggling to them is none of them are really have still the visibility on that whole child. None of them are still able to provide that holistic understanding of where their kids are. And you see, you know, issues around mental health coming up. You're seeing issues around broader, uh, you know, aspects of the dropout and attendance, uh, you know, issues coming up with a lot of these are all, you know, results of the lack of understanding of the whole child and lack of connectivity across all the different elements of education. And that's one of our biggest motivation, what we have been trying to solve is that, look, we are used by 45 million students in North America districts leverage around 45 million students. So 14,000 districts or, or LEAs are using that, which is almost 70% of the North American students and school districts, right? But with one or two of our solutions, the opportunity, what we're trying to look at is that how we can change that discussion from not individual solution adoption, but to a platform and how that can empower the data-driven decision for these districts so they have a better understanding of the whole child so they can put the right strategies in place to drive better engagement. Hardeep, am I, tell me if I'm wrong or far afield here, but what I'm sensing from what you're saying is it's, it's more about, it's about embracing as opposed to what we used to do, which is sort of bolt on, right? It's like adding another layer of wallpaper to an old house, right? And instead of peeling off the wallpaper or change, you know, taking off the paint, we just keep adding layers. At some point we lose a sense of ourselves and even the size of the room because we put so many layers together. Am I correct in understanding in the sense of what you're talking about, that it's it's really about embracing this digital transformation in a way that is it's ubiquitous. It's a part of our lives. Absolutely. And I think, uh, again, if I draw that parallel to other industries, uh, think about how the telecommunication, cell phones and everything have just become very much part of our life in every aspect of it, right? We don't view it as, as that we should not be having to do that. We pretty much want to do most of our, that personal you know, collaboration and communication through that device. We want to kind of bring all that power of that entire experience, whether it's your, your, you know, you're trying to collaborate with the teacher, you're trying to take a supplemental course, you're trying to take a quiz or a test for the homework, you are a special need, so you need to factor some level of personalized uh, you know, intervention plan. All that needs to be brought together in one experience and brought together in a holistic way. Otherwise, we'll continue to struggle to get that mind share from these students and from their families and from teachers if we kind of really try to solve them one at a time with all these different fragmented solutions. Let's let's push the bounds a little bit of, of the the pixels here in the Zoom, Hardeep, and, and pivot to mental health. And some might say, why would you be asking someone who started off as a technologist and running power school about student mental health? But I think it's important because I, you know, I'm having more conversations with people that I wouldn't have thought would be concerned about student, not that they're not concerned about it, but it's maybe not in their purview based on their offering for schools. You know, how do we understand uh, students' mental health? How do we understand the ways in which we can help them feel more comfortable? And what role can technology and solutions play in supporting the efforts of the of the teachers in the room and the parents in the communities? You're absolutely right, Rod. If, if you know, so there was a lot of uh, aspects written about you know how we had a big learning gap, uh, you know, during the the pandemic because of all the 
breakdown of, uh, you know, learning and schools which could not open or they would not have the resources, uh, all that stuff to, that created a huge learning gap. But we also kind of exposed that part of that was actually the social emotional support, which schools and environment provide, which now not having that access to the teacher in the classroom setting, not have access to the friends, not have been able to see that kid in the classroom to see that created that gap and uh, nobody kind of really being able to uh, reach out to that kid. And that's what drives learning engagement as well, right? In, in whether it's online or hybrid or in person. So we definitely do want to empower the, the ability for being able to look at the child holistically, right? And, and to be able to do that now, but if what's just not good enough is that just bringing kids back into the classroom doesn't mean now we have a mental health problem solved. We had learning gain issues even prior to pandemic in an, in an epidemic way where almost, you know, only 35% of the kids were getting college level uh, math or, or reading levels. And, you know, the, we already had those kind of learning issues. We already were dealing with the melted out. It had only been further exacerbated and, and really the problem more visible. What is also not good enough is to just survey a child and uh, survey all these kids and tell them how you're feeling. Because guess what? When we get these surveys, how do we respond? We typically are not going to be our true self. And we're, you know, we're not going to tell the teacher. I thought I, would, I thought I was the only one that did that, Hardeep. I'm glad that I'm not alone. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so <laughs> trying to get your uh, these social emotional aspects by surveying and is not good enough. That's just one other data point. What we have been focused on is not evidence-based social emotional learning. So one of the different aspects we do that, that how we can equip teachers just the way we have tools in the classroom through our, our, you know, our SIS and learning management and assessment solutions to understand grades, understand competency, understand mastery. So we can really understand and provide the right intervention for the child for the learning gaps. We have also brought in tools like Kickboard for evidence-based where teachers can see the evidence in the classroom, in the social interactions to see is the kid how they're behaving and has there been a degradation of performance or engagement or any of those anecdotes which can then drive into the whole child view so they can provide the right intervention when the child uh, they feel is that the engagement is going down. And that all gets before even there is a full RTI because you want to kind of get and provide that one-on-one -on -one access. So, Again, does go back to the problem that if we throw multiple solutions to the teachers and students and parents, they're not going to have time to really navigate all this stuff and figure that out. We got to simplify. We got to digitally transform. We got to make this more holistic and automated. And that gives all these powers for teachers to now spend more time with the students. And it got to be more evidence-based in the system that allows them to kind of really track, you know, track that and provide the right strategies to address it. You know, recently, my friend Richard Collada, who's the CEO of ISTE, was telling media members, he, he was mentioning that in recent years, we've beaten the joy out of learning. I, I, I One, I, I applaud Richard for telling it like it is. Uh, but I'm very curious as to how you interpret that. And how does that then, I don't know, does it become a litmus test for when you think about sort of what what's next for what you and your team are looking at? Um, because sometimes there can be a solution that's great, but it doesn't mean that 
it can, we can embrace it or that we might be able to enjoy it, right? It might get something done. We might accomplish moving from point A to point B. Does, but does it move the needle in the way in which we can enjoy the actual technology that we're utilizing? What is Richard's statement to you around we've beaten the joy out of learning recently? What does that mean? Yeah. So, you know, I, I heard that uh, and I got a chance to, uh, you know, hear that as well. And it's, he, he, you know, he's absolutely right. I think there is definitely, uh, when you look at from a perspective of how we have been kind of focused on driving academic excellence or we're driving uh, the formalities of checking the box on making sure we are done certain things, it has kind of, you know, we're trying to uh, measure accountability and drive accountability, but then in a way that it almost becomes, you know, you're not really providing it the improvement areas. You're kind of driving more to just get the things done, but really not focusing on how to engage and drive that engagement. So I keep going back to the the, pro, uh, the issue is that you can improve education outcomes and you can improve learning by driving better engagement. And and better engagement is tried by more ex- exciting experiences where the process in a classroom to basically just do quizzes and tests and courses doesn't, you know, takes the fun out of the learning. How do we flip the classrooms where a project-based learning, the, you know, some of my, if I, you know, I'm sure if you ask your kids and you ask any students, some of the best learning experiences would be when they did some project together. My kid, high school kid, you know, putting my dad had again, you know, the best learning he had is like four weeks when he built a solar regatta boat in high school. He said that was the highlight of his, his uh, high school uh, learning experience in the last senior year. So how do we create those opportunities? That means that we still want to make sure that the learning is happening. They're still equipped to be able to be ready for the college and other stuff. But some of that process of assessments and stuff could be automated through the tools and giving more time for teachers and students to spend more time on interaction and collaboration and, and project-based learning and other learning modalities that can help create that more fun learning experience in the classroom. So, but unfortunately- I love that. It's, yeah. that. it's that participation, sorry to cut you up, but it's about that, everything you're saying, I get the sense of the, of the child participating in their learning, right? They're not just sitting there uh, as a receptacle <laughs> to receive what we're telling them to do, right? That's the engagement. That's what your child is talking about. Exactly. It's the agency to every child so they can actually drive their, their future, their passion, what they're passionate about and how they can achieve that, not the straight checkered way uh, to do it. And that's where the personalization definitely comes into the picture. So I'm going to take a guess that I know the answer to this because you, you, you mentioned there about uh, automation, but let's put a wrapper on this. Um, how do you want to see the education industry innovate over the next 10, 15, 20 years? So, uh, you know, it, this has been very uh, uh, clear to me is that the challenge what we have, and you look at the, the magnitude of this problem, and if you just, you know, if you think about globally with 1.3 billion kids and all the research and education, but just even if you take North America, we're not going to be able to address the teacher shortage issue. We're not going to be able to address the, the fact that we are, you know, ha- we um, have going to have resourcing challenges and, and how do we how do we counter that to be able to innovate in a way that we can address these humongous challenges we have and yet achieve better learning outcomes for every child. 
And we definitely believe that one of the biggest innovation aspects required in this industry is that personalization. There is no reason you we need to put every child through the same set of homework and the same set of uh, you know uh, uh, aspect, irrespective of what their gaps are, what their interests are, what their needs are. Now that doesn't mean you're replacing uh, the classrooms and the teachers with the online machine learning and and uh, online tools. It actually means augmenting the teacher. It means augmenting the classroom with personalized capabilities for you to be able to guide the student to help drive that. Now you do need to understand to personalize, you can't be just looking at a grade and saying uh, and an assessment and saying, oh, we're gonna create a personalized further content and test for you. Well, what if the child was just on a vacation or what if they're dealing with the health problem or what if they have a special needs or what if they have a social emotional aspect or what if there's something going on in their family? Now you're actually going to put that kid through even more homework and more assignments by just looking at their grade and that you're going to actually have the complete reverse impact. So you do need to understand holistically what's happening to the student and what's happening in the classroom and also how the teacher is actually engaging and teaching that. So understanding of the school environment, the student and teacher, that three, the, bringing those three wheels together and the intersection of that is what personalization needs to be. And that's what we have been driving through uh, in the last seven years is that we we are basically done the plumbing to bring all these systems in one place. And now we are really building the smart house on top of it and bringing that system of intelligence on top of that system of record and system of engagement. I love that visualization, by the way, the smart house on top of the plumbing and all the work that's been done. And the other thing I like about what you just said, Hardeep, as we wrap up here is that it's not an either or. This is about and. And that to me feels inclusive. It feels equitable. It, and more, maybe more importantly, it feels accessible. Like I can access, I, I can access the opportunity. If I'm a teacher, I can access the opportunity as a parent and caregiver. And I more and most importantly can access that opportunity as a young person and student. Well, I hope the next conversation, we're gonna go every other here, but the next conversation will be with a glass of wine uh, in person to uh, download on sort of all things Hardeep and Power School, but really appreciate the transparency today. Uh, keep up the great work. And a lot of people are depending upon you and Power School to continue to innovate in ways that are, that are thoughtful uh, and meaningful to what education is all about. We wanna thank Hardeep Gulati of Power School. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. This concludes another chapter of On Balance. Connect with me via LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Dr. Rod Berger.